This is Living Lean, the show that teaches you how to apply the science of nutrition and training to sustainably create your leanest, strongest body and build the most confident version of yourself. I'm your host, Jeremiah Bear. Let's get into the show. Yo, welcome back. Today, we are diving into the definitive guide to periodizing nutrition. So at the start of this podcast, I can promise you two things. One, this is going to be a long ass podcast. Two, by the end of this, you will have a better understanding than ever before of how to structure your nutrition across a year to get yourself or your clients better, more sustainable results in the healthiest manner possible. All right, no matter what your goals are, building muscle, getting leaner, performance, aesthetics, this is everything you need to know to get the best, again, most sustainable results possible. All right, that said, let's go ahead and get into this. So the reality is, without properly periodizing your nutrition, you'll never achieve or sustain your body composition goals. Regardless if you're trying to get lean, build muscle, or both, periodization is the piece of the puzzle 99% of people are missing. But let's back up a bit, because you're probably wondering, what does periodization even mean? So here, I'm going to define periodization as... Splitting a period of time up into blocks. Each block is focused on creating a different adaptation or outcome, but all the all of the blocks synchronize to push you towards one specific goal at the end of the time period. So for example, squatting a specific weight or reaching a certain body fat percentage. Basically, periodization means having a strategy deeper than go hard at X until I achieve Y. Now, today's episode teaches you how to apply the concept of nutrition periodization for better aesthetics, better health, better hormones, a faster metabolism, and results you can sustain for a lifetime. So I think I've probably sold you pretty thoroughly on this by this point, but I wanted to make this podcast because nutrition periodization is kind of a sexy term. It's thrown out there often, um, especially over like the last year, you hear this thrown out there a lot but a lot of people really don't understand what it actually means. So I want to clear up any confusion you might have. All right, and with all that said, let's actually dive into this. Now, throughout this episode, I will be mentioning phases of periodization a lot. And these phases are just chunks of time devoted to a specific goal. So over the course of months, or really as long as you're within online coaching with us, we'll cycle you in and out of these different phases of nutrition periodization. All of these phases support each other, and really staying in any one phase for too long leads to stagnation or less than optimal results. But when pieced together properly, they synergistically push you closer to your goal body composition. And that's basically periodization in a nutshell. So the first phase that we're going to discuss here is the primer phase. One of the most common mistakes that people make that leads to diets failing is jumping right into a fat loss phase. So the primer phase is not something you hear a lot of coaches or dieters talk about, but it's vital to your fat loss success once you start a diet. This is really where, as a new online client, we build your fat loss foundation. So in this phase, we're doing a lot of psychological and behavioral work to prime your body and your mind to create the best fat loss results possible when you do enter a fat loss phase. So this starts with one, 
creating your individualized diet structure. Really one of the biggest keys to nutrition success is individualization. So this phase is where we create a diet that you can actually stick to. And when you hop on the initial strategy call with us and fill out your questionnaire, we go extremely in-depth determining exactly what you want to achieve. And really the key things we take into account here include your lifestyle, your dieting history, your food preferences, your personality type, your desired rate of progress, your stress, stress levels, your career, your current biofeedback, how much time you're willing to invest into this, your activity levels, your preferred style of training, etc., Basically here, we're determining your trade-offs. What part of your lifestyle are you willing to quote-unquote trade-off for quicker results and what needs to stay in place? So for example, if you aren't willing to trade-off alcohol nightly for rapid fat loss, we know that a less aggressive, flexible approach is a better fit. Next, we're ensuring accuracy within your tracking. So the reality is most of us are pretty bad at estimating how many calories we eat in a day. It's super common for a new online client to start coaching, saying something like, I'm only eating a thousand calories per day and I still can't lose weight. What the hell, right? But only to find out that they're eating twice as much as they expected after being educated on how to track accurately. Now, these clients are never intentionally being deceptive. They just haven't been taught to track food and take accurately yet. So giving someone fat loss macros who doesn't have the knowledge of how to track accurately is setting them up for a lot of frustration and very likely failure. So rather than set you up for failure right out of the gate, we spend some time focusing on educating you here. And within coaching, we literally filter through your MyFitnessPal diary over the first couple of weeks and help you identify anywhere where inaccuracy could be sneaking in. Our next goal here in the primer phase is finding maintenance. So before we can prescribe fat loss macros, we need to know what amount of food you can eat to maintain your current body composition. And this is really what we're determining in the primer phase. So you can enter the fat loss phase eating as much food as possible while losing at your desired rate. So as a coach, I use this time to put you through a nutrition assessment. Basically, I use your previous food logs to establish an estimated maintenance, as well as identify the nutritional habits and specific nutrients you need to put your focus on. Next, we put an emphasis an emphasis on educating you around your food choices. So really, a major key to long-term success is teaching online clients how to auto-regulate your appetite with proper food selection. Basically, we're teaching you how to choose foods that make you full for relatively low calories, which literally makes it hard for you to overeat. Now, once you start doing this habitually, once I see an online client doing this without too much thought, I know you've won as a client and you're going to be successful without me. Because overeating, even after you're done with your diet and just want to maintain, will become much harder. And this makes your new lean body composition much easier to, to sustain long term. Now, while this could be a whole episode in itself, eating to quote-unquote auto-regulate your appetite comes down to focusing on the most satiating foods per calorie. So basically here we could dive into something called the satiety index of foods, which really helps illustrate this concept, but basically it's a good idea to be able to, in the simplest terms, like um, our most satiating or most filling foods are going to be one, potatoes, two, lean protein, three, other fibrous carbs. And this is exactly why it's so valuable for us to see your food logs as an online client. We can compare the times you noticed 
higher hunger or cravings. And then we can educate you on how to make more filling food choices next time. So like, yo, okay, I noticed like, for example, you ate a New York steak there. What if next time you had a sirloin steak, but you also had a potato on the side and the calories would be the same, you get a lot more satiation or maybe you added some avocado. You get the idea. Super helpful. And again, it is very specific to the individual, but this is it does take a lot of time to hop into people's diaries and like work through things like this. But truly, I think it's one of the biggest things that sets our coaching service apart because we can genuinely educate you so much more on like, okay, what habits, what is my lifestyle? Like how I habitually eat, how do I actually need to change that to sustain this long term? Because again, like I'm kind of off on a tangent here and a podcast is already probably gonna be long enough to not need tangents, but, um, one of the biggest reasons people don't maintain is people can people can dedicate anyone can be really commit to being really hungry for 12 weeks but the reality is if you don't have a good knowledge of how to select satiating foods you don't habitually choose satiating foods even at maintenance it's going to be hard not to overeat because with the foods we're surrounded by most of which are literally designed to make us want to eat more it's very hard not to overeat. Again, this isn't specific just diets, even when you're at maintenance, which is why so many people yo-yo up and down. I truly think that this is one of the most underrated and most important pieces for long-term staying as lean as you want. All right, next thing we're focusing on within the primer phase is consistency with consistency with daily movement. Now, the biggest difference between the metabolisms of lean and obese individuals is actually non-exercise activity thermogenesis or NEAT. So NEAT is something I've talked about a lot on this podcast, and it's basically all your movement outside of the gym that burns calories, pacing, blinking, um, doing laundry, etc. Now, studies have shown that there is a huge amount of variability in calories burned through meat from person to person, up to 2,000 calories per day, which is fucking crazy. Um, so when you start a fat loss phase to counteract this decrease in calories, your body subconsciously reduces meat. So basically to counteract the fact that you are taking in fewer calories, your body also starts moving less. This means you're burning fewer calories, of course, and as a result, fat loss can stall despite eating less than before. So before we put you into a fat loss phase, we need to ensure that you're consistently hitting a daily movement target. And usually for online clients, this means a step goal that we put in your accountability tracker. And this means nothing is left unaccounted for when it comes to your fat loss success. Next, we're focusing on education and mindset. So no matter how disciplined you are, at some point in your diet, you'll feel like you failed, be it from missing your calorie goal or seeing progress at a slower rate than you'd like. Now, with the wrong mindset, this temporary quote-unquote failure usually leads to you quitting the diet altogether. So the primer phase helps us avoid this because the reality is everybody messes up at least once on their diet. Most people mess up very consistently. It's just part of being human. But again, the primer phase helps us avoid this by educating you as an online client on this idea of consistency over perfection and teaching you how to become focused on the process, knowing that this will lead to your desired outcomes. Um, Within our online coaching service, we also believe that education creates sustainability. We want you to have all the nutritional knowledge and tools to be successful on your own sooner rather than later. We don't want online clients to be codependent on us. We want to empower you with the knowledge 
to be independent on your own. So in the primer phase, this is generally educating you to where you have a basic understanding of energy balance, the satiety index, flexible dieting, and really how to make your diet work with the weekend social events and work trips. The biggest pieces that throw most people off and kill nutritional adherence are really these last few things I mentioned. Again, weekend social events and work trips. So it's super important that we teach you how to manage those. Going into the diet through the early portions of the diet. So again, when you're not working with us anymore, rather than like, oh shit, like the whole time I worked with Jeremiah, I never once went out because I was really quote unquote dedicated to the process. But now that I don't work with him anymore and I want to go out, I have no idea what to do. That's the exact situation we want to avoid because that's what ruins, (laughs) that's what keeps people from maintaining their results long-term. And really, again, a different tangent, but I always tell clients like, yo, if you were going to be going out like twice a week when we're not working together, well, okay, like it is context dependent. So if you're super dedicated to a rapid fat loss phase, okay, there's might not be room for that right now. But when we're in the maintenance phase, when you're practicing maintenance with me, I absolutely want you to do that. So I know that you can maintain these results doing that. And then therefore without me, you can maintain your results. All right. And finally, we have recovering from your last diet. So Depending on how long ago you dieted and how lean you got, the primer phase is a must to set you up for another successful fat loss phase. So the recovery of many hormones, such as testosterone, cortisol, and thyroid hormone, along with your metabolism and regaining lean mass, which is a big part of your metabolism, doesn't happen overnight. So the harsher and more recent your previous diet was, the longer you need to spend in the primer phase. In some cases, you shouldn't be dieting for the foreseeable future and really will maybe even push you to undergo a building phase instead of a fat loss phase, which we'll talk about a bit later. So in a nutshell, the primer phase is all about building good habits around food choices, daily movement, building a diet structure specific to you, and recovering from your previous diet. This can take anywhere from one week all the way up to six months, depending on where you're coming from. Again, like all things within nutrition, it's very highly individual. If we build your quote-unquote fat loss house on a shaky foundation, damn, I hate that I just used that analogy, um, you won't see any long-term success with your body composition. Even if you do get lean, you won't have the tools and knowledge to sustain that result long-term. All right, so the next phase we have within this discussion of nutrition periodization is the fat loss phase. So the fat loss phase is the single sexiest, most exciting phase in nutrition periodization. It yields the quickest changes and the most immediate gratification. But you need to realize that it's also a huge amount of stress, both physically and psychologically, which is why periodization, phasing in and out of this is so important. Look at this shit like a road trip. Fat loss phases are like the time you're actually losing body fat and getting closer to your goal. They're basically like the time that, and I I low-key hate all these analogies that I'm using today, but um, we're going to roll with it. These fat loss phases are like the time that you're actually spending driving down the highway. Now, your primer phases, maintenance phases, diet breaks, and refeeds are the tools we use to help you maintain these results. So again, you're achieving results in the fat loss phases, you're practicing maintaining results in um, maintenance phases, diet breaks, refeeds, primer phases, etc. All of these things are like um, stopping at the gas station, the rest stop, the mechanic, etc. 
Alright, so as far as rate of loss goes within the fat loss phase, we'll typically be decreasing or increasing your macros as an online client based around your target rate of loss. Now, how quickly you should lose fat is very individual, but some general guidelines. Um, if you're only concerned with fat loss, push for 0.5 to 1.5% of body weight loss per week. If you're attempting a body recomposition, aka building muscle and losing fat simultaneously, which if you're interested in the process of body recomposition, definitely check out my episode with Christopher Barakat. I believe that was about three weeks ago. It's called The Complete Guide to Body Recomposition with Christopher Barakat. Super in-depth on all things body recomposition. But if this is your goal, your rate of loss should be slower because we also want to make sure we're doing everything possible, not only to fuel muscle maintenance, but actually muscle growth, which is going to require a bit more fuel in the form of food. So here we want to aim for about 0.25 to 0.5% of body weight loss per week. Now, if you're okay with giving up social drinking slash eating, eating out at restaurants frequently, etc., and you find the idea of a very long diet daunting, again, pushing for a faster fat loss phase, typically around 0.75 to 0.15 or 1.5% of body weight per week is smart. But on the flip side, if you need a more quote unquote flexible lifestyle, in order to stick to your diet or find the idea of drastically reducing food daunting, fat loss should be a bit slower. Aim for 0.5 to 1% of body weight loss per week. So really, there are tons of variables here, but generally most will do best aiming to lose about 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week. Dropping below this rate of loss makes sense for those looking to build muscle simultaneously. And going above this rate makes sense for those with a lot of weight to lose. And really, this is why when you start coaching with us, we go so in-depth on the initial call. This is why we have a primer phase, because I want to get a feel for, we I should say, want to get a feel for your personality, where you're coming from, what's most important to you. And then from there, we can figure out the best rate of loss for you. Hey, are you someone that's going to lose motivation if you're seeing like relatively slow progress? You're only losing a half pound per week. On the flip side, are you someone that's going to lose motivation if this is taking away from your lifestyle? You can't go out as much. You can't have many as many drinks, etc. Now, no matter what, there's going to be sacrifices. There's going to be trade-offs and it's going to be hard. But the most important part of someone actually following through with a fat loss phase, like truly this is why our online clients are so successful is tailoring this to your personality type. All right, so next we have calorie cycling within the fat loss phase. So calorie cycling is essentially periodization of your calories within the fat loss phase. It's something we do to ensure we're getting you to your ideal body composition in the best place possible metabolically, hormonally, and with your overall health. So here are my favorite calorie cycling methods to use with online clients within the fat loss phase. So first we have the 11-3 macro split. So on the 11-3 split, you're in a calorie deficit for 11 days. This is enough time to create a solid amount of fat loss. And then this is followed by three days where you return your calories to maintenance levels with the calorie increase ideally coming from carbs, which will replenish your muscle glycogen stores. This will lead to better training performance and help you maintain or even build more lean muscle. Now, from the super important, quote unquote, doing some shit you can actually stick to perspective, this gives you more calories to get more flexible every other weekend. Now, personally, I don't like this approach for clients in a shorter fat loss phase. So, for example, a client that needs less than 12 weeks to get as lean as they want. Over the course of 12 weeks, 
The client will have spent 18 whole days at maintenance, almost three weeks at maintenance, not losing fat, which will likely add another two to three weeks extra in a deficit. Really how I see it, most of the time in situations like this, where we can achieve your desired fat loss outcomes without being too aggressive, so generally losing 1% of body weight or less per week, the best thing we can do is just get your diet done with and get you back out of a deficit long term instead of dragging things out, trying to get too cute with different calorie cycling methods. But for longer fat loss phases, so ones that are going to last longer than three months, and typically in that case, like multiple fat loss phases are going to be strung together and just be split up by a diet break or maybe a shorter maintenance phase, this is a smart approach. Next, we have the 5-2 macro split. Now, for a long period of time, this was one of the most popular macro splits with my online clients. Um, I would say over the course of 2020, this is one that I have used less and less. I've erred more towards getting a little bit more aggressive, trying to get clients to their end result quicker, and um, really using something like a 6-1 split, which we'll go over in just a second. This is something I used to prescribe more than I do now, but it does still have some application with clients. So really, this is very similar to the 11-3 split but we're taking a diet break every week instead of every other week. So here we're spending five days in a deficit followed by two days at maintenance. Again, we're increasing calories via carbs for their muscle glycogen boosting benefits. Now this split works great for clients that like to enjoy their weekends a bit more as you'll have increased calories every weekend. So for my online clients that need the quote unquote flexible lifestyle to make their diet sustainable, this for a long period of time was one of my favorite prescriptions. But again, now... I would rather push someone to maintenance sooner rather than later. And just maybe we are being a little bit more aggressive during the diet. Maybe you are making more trade-offs, but the end result is you're more likely to get the outcome that you want and get there sooner rather than like dragging the diet out for so long that people lose motivation, don't follow through. And then once you get to maintenance, we can spend a lot of time, quote unquote, practicing maintenance, going out, things like that. Next up, we have the 6-1 macro split. So This is a great approach for online clients in shorter fat loss phases, so let's say less than 12 weeks, where our goal is to get the fat off of you ASAP while maintaining your lean muscle. So similar to the above example, here you're spending six days in a deficit, one day at maintenance, again with the increase in calories coming from carbs. So again, this gives you a chance to refill your muscle glycogen stores, so it's smart to put this immediately before or on your hardest training day of the week. Now, the reality of shorter diets is you're often in a larger deficit to get the job done on time. So one time per week where we're refeeding allows you to get a little bit more flexible with your food choices, which does help a lot when it comes to sticking the diet out. But again, it's not so much like the 5-2 or the 11-3 where we're spending an excessive amount of time at maintenance. And then finally, as far as calorie cycling strategies go, we have the protein sparing modified fast day or PSMF. So this is a strategy that I learned about years ago from Lyle McDonald, and I have seen great success implementing PSMF days with my more advanced clients. So typically when we make a macro adjustment for you or for a client, it'll be a reduction of about five to 10% of your weekly total calories. So just for ease of calculation, let's say we figure out, and this would be hella low. This isn't realist. Okay, let's actually, let's say you're eating 10,000 calories per week right now, okay, which I have no idea what that comes out day to day, but 10,000 divided by seven, you're eating that number every single day. 
So we see like you've hit a hard fat loss stall, right? You have a deadline. We want to see you lose a good amount more fat in the next eight weeks. So rather than messing around, we're going to get more aggressive. So we're going to err more on the aggressive side of this 5 to 10% reduction in weekly calories. We're going to decrease your calories by 10%. We know that 10% of 10,000 is 1,000. So we need to increase or decrease your calories by 1,000 overall across the course of the week. So whatever 1,000 is divided by 7, that's typically how many calories we would take away from each day. So whatever that number is, like um, 115 or something relatively close to that, Okay, so, um, and we're taking that away from every single day of the week. So the reality is like, let's say right now you were eating um, 1,300 calories and we have to bump that down by another 115 every single day. That really bumps people out. So the beauty of this is of a protein sparing modified fast is we can make an adjustment, but it's mostly just affects one day instead of every day of the week. So basically that entire extra, now an an extra thousand calories is an example where, okay, we probably couldn't knock that out in a single day because like in this case, if you're eating 1300 calories every day, you'd have to have a 300 calorie day, which would be hard to pull off. But the idea here is again, like let's say you were eating 2000 calories every day and instead of decreasing linearly uh, every day by 200 or damn, I'm terrible at math right now um let's say by 120 we're just decreasing one day by a thousand calories so one day you're eating a thousand calories every other day stays the same so again that makes it a little bit easier for most people to stick to so really on a protein sparing modified fast the goal is to keep calories as low as possible while still hitting your protein goals basically you just focus on eating lean proteins and lots of veggies So we could do something like maybe you're going to fast until noon or maybe you'll just have like one to two scoops of whey protein for breakfast. Um, For your first real meal of the day, you're going to have something like chicken breast and um, lots of veggies mixed up in a stir fry. For a snack, you're going to have something like, let's say, tuna mixed with non-fat cottage cheese, which is actually surprisingly good if you get like the buffalo flavored tuna packets. For your second meal of the day, you're going to have something like a 97 or even 99% lean ground beef or ground turkey with mixed with salsa and again, like maybe fajita veggies. And then for your last meal of the day, maybe you'll have one to two cups of non-fat plain Greek yogurt mixed with whey protein. Maybe you mix in some berries. So here we've gotten a lot of lean protein, a lot of fiber, so it will very much help keep your hunger down. But calories are also very low because we kept calories from fat and carbs to a minimum. Now, there's nothing magic about this approach, approach, but it makes the diet easier to stick to for most people. And really, like everything in nutrition, the option that will work best depends on you as an individual. I've had online clients get great results using each of these strategies, but there is no one-size-fits-all answer here. All right, so another thing that's important for the fat loss phase is going to be keeping a close eye on your biofeedback. And really, these are some of the main metrics we use to measure how close to a quote-unquote fat loss wall you are and how soon we need to transition you to the next phase of nutrition periodization. So when we're talking about this concept of switching between phases within periodization, your biofeedback is one of the main measures we use 
to determine when we need to change. So some sure signs that you're, you're almost ready to transition out of a fat loss phase include multiple weeks of one, high hunger levels. So some hunger is normal for dieting and really it's a good sign that you're eating fewer, fewer calories than you're burning. So don't at all get it twisted that you should never be hungry in a diet because that's not the case. That said, we usually want this to be somewhere on a 2.5 out of 3.5 on a scale of one to five. So five being the hungriest, one being not hungry at all. Typically like a 2.5 to a 3.5 is a normal amount of hunger for a diet. Once clients get into the four to five range consistently, we know it's probably time to change phases as constantly high hunger makes the diet hard to adhere to for most. Now that said, again, context is super important here. If you're already pretty lean and trying to get leaner, it's likely that you'll just have to deal with a good amount of hunger. And that's part of pushing your body below a comfortable level of body fat. For example, I have two dudes. One guy just finished his photo shoot prep. The other, um, shout out to Dave, he is just going into his peak week. So he's just wrapping up the actual like diet portion of this. And the reality is like when you get that lean, that's past the point that's sustainable. You are going to be very hungry. You'll be so hungry likely that it disrupts your sleep. Again, it's not a, it's past the point where like, hey, I'm a healthy level of lean. Where for most of us, when we're to the point where we're so shredded that like ab veins are popping out like crazy, our bodies basically looks like a vascular roadmap. Um, like both of these dudes, the point that both of them got to, um, that's not sustainable long term. And typically like to get to that point, our body is pushing back against us very hard, like trying to send us these signals like, hey, we need to have more body fat for overall health. So in that point, again, hunger will be very high. And that's just something that you have to accept. So again, context here is super important. It very much depends on how lean you're getting. Number two, we want to watch out for high cravings. Again, some cravings are normal in a fat loss phase, but when these are consistently high, adherence and results can start to suffer. Number three, we want to look out for low motivation. So when clients start ranking their motivation somewhere in a, the one to three range, I know that they're starting to accumulate some more psychological fatigue from the diet. And again, it would be a good idea to take a break soon. And finally, we want to watch out for a poor mood. And again, this is another biofeedback metric that we track within online coaching when you work with us. So similar to motivation, when a client consistently starts to rank their mood poorly in their biofeedback tracker, we know that the diet is starting to take its psychological toll and it's nearly time to transition out. So in a nutshell, a fat loss phase typically lasts 6 to 12 weeks. And after this, we'll shift our focus to spending some time rejuvenating your body and mind in a diet break or a maintenance phase. And that concludes our discussion of the fat loss phase. So next up, within these phases of nutrition periodization, we have diet breaks. So a diet break is a 3 to 14 day period of eating more calories. Now the goal here isn't to gain or lose fat. Simply to eat at your maintenance calorie intake. And usually this increase in calories is coming primarily from eating more carbohydrates. So with most online clients, diet breaks are interjected every 6 to 12 weeks of dieting and a fat loss phase. So I know that all of this sounds counterintuitive. Why would you purposely stop fat loss? Now that said, I would argue that diet breaks are the missing piece, keeping most people from achieving the lean bodies that they want. So the primary reason you'll hear people promote diet breaks is to prevent something we call adaptive thermogenesis. So basically your body has four different ways it burns calories. One, 
basal metabolic rate, or BMR. Your BMR is the number of calories your body burns just to stay alive. And generally, the heavier you are, the higher your BMR is. Two, we have the thermic effect of food, or TEF. Calories burned during digestion is basically TEF. It takes energy to turn the food you consume into energy. Um, so basically, you burn calories when you're converting the food that you eat into energy, um, and that's TEF. Next, we have non-exercise activity thermogenesis, or NEAT. All the calories you burn in your everyday movement outside of the gym are NEAT. And finally, we have the thermic effect of exercise, or TEE, which is, of course, calories burned lifting weights, doing cardio, etc. And these four components make up your metabolism, or the sum of the calories that you burn in a day. Now, as you eat fewer calories and get leaner across the fat loss phase, your metabolism adapts to prevent you from withering away into nothing. Your body is smaller, so your basal metabolic rate decreases. You're eating less food, so thermic effect of food decreases, given your macro composition stays the same. Um, the thermic effect of exercise decreases because it takes fewer calories to move your body now that it's smaller. And you generally have less energy to put into training as intensely during a diet. And which was part of the argument for like refeeds, especially when we're focusing on body recomposition and your neat non-exercise activity thermogenesis generally decreases because you feel lethargic due to the lack of calories. Plus levels of a hormone called leptin also decrease and this leads to an increase in hunger and less energy expenditure. Now, as you eat more and gain more fat, the opposite happens. Metabolism increases and hunger decreases. This upregulation and downregulation of your metabolism when dieting is what we call adaptive thermogenesis. So the thinking behind diet breaks is if eating more upregulates your metabolism and hormones, then taking a diet break every 6 to 12 weeks means you'll arrive at the end of the diet with a faster metabolism and better hormones, which sounds pretty great, right? But the question is, does it really work like that? Now, the reality is there hasn't been a ton of research on diet breaks in the sense we're talking about here, but the few we have are pretty promising. So for example, we have one from 2003 that set out to prove that longer diet breaks would be detrimental to weight loss. However, they found the opposite. They found out there wasn't a statistically significant difference in weight loss between groups that continuously dieted and those that took diet breaks for the same period of time. So the diet break group spent less total time dieting, but lost the same amount of weight as those who had dieted nonstop. We have the Matador study. Now this study had two groups on a diet. Group one followed the diet for 16 weeks straight in a 33% calorie deficit. Group two dieted in a 33% calorie deficit, followed by two weeks at maintenance calories. And they alternated between the two until they had completed 16 weeks of dieting. So it did take them twice as long to finish the diet compared to group one. It took them 32 weeks, basically. At the end of the study, the diet break group lost more fat, more weight, and seemed to see less adaptation in their metabolisms. Now... Finally, we have the diet break slash diet refeed study um, published by Bill Campbell in 2020, actually. And this study took two groups through a seven-week diet. Group one ate in a 25% calorie deficit for seven weeks straight. Group two ate in a 35% calorie deficit five days per week, but every weekend increased calories to maintenance levels via carbohydrates. So the weekly deficit for both groups was equated. And they followed this pattern for seven weeks. Both groups lost about five and a half pounds of fat, 
but group two was seemingly able to maintain more lean muscle mass during the seven-week diet. They lost less than a pound of muscle, while group two lost nearly three pounds. Now, maintaining more lean muscle mass means that your BMR, TEF, and calories burned via NEAT are going to be higher. So these studies seem to show that taking diet breaks can lead to higher basal metabolic rate and maintaining more lean muscle, both of which equal a faster metabolism. Now, I do have to note on Bill Campbell's study that um, one of the criticisms is they measured muscle maintenance very shortly after the refeed for the group that did the refeed. So what this means, as we mentioned earlier, a refeed will refill your muscle glycogen stores, which if we're doing something like a DEXA scan, will make it appear that you have more muscle mass than you would have if it was like, okay, so like, let's say it was one to two days after the refeed, it would appear on a scan that they had more muscle mass than it would if it was like five days after the refeed. And one of the main arguments against like this refeed study is um, that they measured muscle mass retained too close to the refeed. So while most of the research on diet breaks does seem pretty positive, there are some things we're still not sure about when it comes to diet breaks. One, the human studies rely on self-reporting. So basically the participants were responsible for tracking and reporting their own macros and adherence, which leaves a lot of room for error. In fact, it's thought that the primary benefit of a diet break is psychological. They simply make the diet a lot easier to stick to, which is something that I would agree with. Um, number two, they potentially create longer diet timeframes. So for example, when the Matador diet came out, every coach was talking about how dope this was, how we need to implement the Matador diet. The problem was it took the uh, group that took these intermittent diet breaks twice as long to get to their desired outcomes. And then finally, it's unclear what the physiological benefits of a diet break would be. We know that your metabolism is essentially a product of how much you're eating, how much you weigh, and how much you're moving. So it seems that you will lose any metabolism boosting benefits of a diet break as soon as you resumed the diet. So when it comes to this argument of like what the potential physiological benefits could be, the common thinking is either A, a potential increase in thyroid hormone. So your thyroid does account for a large chunk of your basal metabolic rate, but it's unclear how much of an impact three to 14 days of maintenance could really have on a thyroid hormone because it's thought that thyroid is more a product of your current body composition than your calorie intake or B, a potential increase in leptin. Now, we do have a study showing that overfeeding on carbohydrates resulted in a 7% increase in energy expenditure over 24 hours due to leptin increase. However, leptin seems to be mostly a product of calorie intake, meaning it drops very quickly when you resume a diet. And of course, your body fat levels also very much tie into your leptin levels as fat cells are what are responsible for releasing leptin. So right now it seems unlikely that leptin is responsible for any lasting metabolic benefits on a diet break. So really again, like if there are any physiological benefits past refilling glycogen stores, it's very blurry what they could be. Now my online clients still take diet breaks because one, it's easier to build or maintain muscle when we take diet breaks because glycogen stores are refilled more frequently. And really this is one of the benefits of diet breaks that we're more clear on. 
Intermittent periods of eating at maintenance seem to make it easier to maintain your lean muscle. The opportunity to eat more carbs also helps refill your muscle glycogen stores, allowing you to train more intensely. And both these in turn create a slightly faster metabolism. Plus, I work with online clients that want to get lean and strong. The ability to build or maintain more lean muscle in the dieting process is essential to getting lean and strong instead of just skinny. So in a nutshell, most of the clients that we work with aren't chasing purely fat loss. They're chasing a complete body composition change, which like, hey, I want to get leaner. I want to build some muscle. I want to look functional and aesthetic. So in a situation like this, it does make more sense for us to take diet breaks. Number two, it makes the diet psychologically easier for most and improves adherence. Again, the most important factor of a diet is that you can stick to that shit. So from my experience coaching hundreds of clients, both in person and online, continuously sticking to a diet for longer than 12 weeks is extremely challenging for most. And past this point, adherence almost always gets worse. People's diets are usually on track three to five days out of the week and off track two to three days a week past this 12-week point. This leads to the crazy frustrating situation most of us know so well. Always feeling like you're fucking dieting, but never seeing any progress. So taking a one to two week diet break when adherence starts to decrease seems to improve future adherence dramatically with online clients. So even if the benefits of a diet break do turn out to be mostly psychological, like some argue, and honestly, again, is probably something I would agree with, does it really matter if they were psychological or physiological as long as they helped you achieve the lean body you've always wanted in a sustainable way? And then finally, diet breaks are important because you need time to practice maintenance. The goal of online coaching is to empower you with the knowledge and skills to be successful on your own in the future. And one of the best ways to do this is coaching clients through a maintenance phase, not just fat loss phases. So periods of quote-unquote practicing maintenance, like we do in a diet break, allow you to learn new habits and behaviors around your food choices, training, daily movement, dietary flexibility, and what your entire lifestyle needs to look like to maintain a new, leaner body. Practicing the ability to maintain is exactly what helps our online clients keep their results long-term and break the yo-yo diet cycle so many others get stuck in. All right, so finally, to wrap up this conversation on diet breaks, let's talk about how to implement this. So from the research, we have plus tons of real world, world experience with online clients getting much better results taking diet breaks. Here are my recommendations. So again, as far as frequency, every six to 12 weeks for most is smart. Um, typically, the leaner you are, the more frequently it, it makes sense to take these. That said, it very much depends on if you have a strict timeline for to achieve X amount of body fat or not. Duration is typically going to be one to two weeks. Um, calories. So total calories should be returned somewhere between your current deficit calories and your current estimated maintenance intake. To find this number, look at your average weekly weight loss over the last month. We know that to lose one pound of fat, you need to eat approximately 3,500 calories less than you burn. So if you're averaging one pound loss per week, we know that you need to add back in 3,500 calories per week or 500 calories per day to be at your estimated maintenance. As we're not sure that returning exactly to maintenance produces all the cycle or excuse me physiological benefits, which was the old argument for returning to maintenance on a diet break, I would say that a diet break does not have to return calories all the way to maintenance levels. That said, 
To reap the psychological benefits of a diet break, we do want to make sure that calories are high enough to keep hunger and cravings low across the course of a diet break. So for most online clients, I found that this means the deficit should at least be cut in half. So if you were in a daily deficit of 500 calories, add back 250 calories per day. As far as macros go, protein should stay at 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. So basically just don't decrease your current protein intake. Um, We have some very limited evidence that it may be more beneficial to increase calories almost exclusively via carbs due to leptin's responsiveness to it. And again, leptin aside, increasing carbs to refill muscle glycogen stores is smart. So it's likely most optimal to increase calories to maintenance almost exclusively via carbs, keeping protein and fat where they were on the diet. Now, as far as food choices go... The biggest mistake people make is thinking a diet break is a time to just constantly eat lots of calorie-dense foods. Now, this quickly puts you over your calorie goal and isn't a realistic picture of how you need to eat long-term to sustain results. Stick mostly to the foods you normally eat, just in greater quantities. When you try to work in too many calorie-dense foods, you can easily eat more calories but be less satiated than you were on your diet. Now, you'll likely feel a bit fluffier and weigh a bit more. Your body is holding more water and your gut content has increased. This doesn't mean you've gained fat back. If calories in are equal to or less than calories out, which is really one of the main goals of a diet break, you won't gain fat. And then finally, as far as mindset goes, this isn't just a time where you eat whatever and don't track. Think of this time as practicing maintaining, a crucial skill to have mastered when you get as lean as you want. This is what makes your results sustainable. All right, so the next phase within this conversation nutrition periodization is the reverse diet phase. So reverse dieting is the process we use to find your new maintenance intake after you've achieved your goal level of leanness. We implement this process when you're completely done focusing on fat loss for the near future. So coming out of a deficit is a scary process for most people, especially if you're someone whose weight has rebounded post-diet in the past. So, and really even for my online clients that are coaches themselves, the fear of coming out of a calorie deficit is super real. And personally, I found that this is the best time to again remind clients that it all comes down to energy balance. If you've been losing approximately one pound per week, you're eating approximately 3,500 calories less than you burn in a week. So we, we know that to maintain, we can add back in approximately 3,500 calories your diet on a weekly basis or 500 calories per day without worrying about fat gain. Gaining even one pound of fat would require eating about 3,500 calories more than your maintenance intake or about a thousand calories per day more than you're currently eating. Now, while this is super doable, if you have a smart plan for the diet after the diet, like we provide within online coaching, you don't need to worry. So here's what the reverse diet process looks like for my online clients. Step one is return the client to 80 to 90% of their estimated maintenance calories. We say 80 to 90% instead of 100% just to be sure we don't overshoot maintenance as clients generally want to take extra precautions here to avoid excess fat gain. Now, most of the increases in calories here will come from carbs, which will give you more physiological benefits plus better training and recovery. Given the fact that you're likely already eating 
above 0.3 grams of fat per pound of body weight daily, which is this quote unquote fat threshold online clients need to hit for hormonal health and preventing fatty acid deficiencies. So if fat is below that 0.3 grams per pound of body weight mark, then we'll increase fat first and then add carbs. Step two is simply to watch how that impacts the client's weight and measurements. Because really one of the biggest mistakes people make post diet is suddenly stopping getting on the scale daily or at least three times a week and stopping taking body measurements. And this is a huge problem because this is the exact data we use to determine how the amount you're currently eating is impacting your body composition. Without this data, it's easier to regain fat as you're not sure how your body is actually changing. Now, we're expecting the client to see a few pounds of weight gain due to increased glycogen storage and gut content. And it's also normal to see an increase in the two inches below the navel measurement that my online clients take because this is the measurement that's most reactive to increased gut content. And we'll typically see this over the first one to two weeks of the reverse diet. But past that, we shouldn't see any major shifts in any of these metrics. And then step three is simply adjusting nutrition based on the metrics. So after the first one to two weeks of the reverse diet process, where again, some increase in weight and measurements is normal, we're looking to increase calories to start pushing the client's maintenance calories up. But again, tracking metrics is key to knowing that what the client is doing with their nutrition is leading to maintenance and not gaining. So with what you know about adaptive thermogenesis, as we talked about before, the upregulation or downregulation of metabolism, depending on how much you're eating, how much you're moving in your current body size, you realize that as we're feeding you more, you're also burning more calories, meaning that maintenance calories are also slowly increasing. So depending on the client, these calorie inc increases to quote unquote bump up to maintenance are generally going to be about 50 to 125 calories, usually about 75% carbs and 25% fat relative to the client's current body size. Now, again, this is after a very large initial jump. We're trying to get you very close to your new estimated maintenance. Now, something to note here is that the degree to which we can increase a client's maintenance calories without fat gain is primarily dependent on how adaptive their metabolism is, or we can say how much they tend to increase NEAT as a response to consuming calories. So really some people like as you feed them more without realizing it, they'll just move and fidget and pace and blink more and more and more. Some people will feed them more and we don't really see a big increase in movement. So thus, these people that don't see a big increase in, in, in movement as we feed them more, of course, like the range that we can bump up your calories is a lot smaller than these people who are are a lot more quote unquote adaptive and do see this big ramping up in non-exercise activity. And that's really like when we're talking about reverse dieting and everybody should be able to reverse diet up to the point where they can eat like a fuck ton of calories every day. It's just really not the case because unless you're like, okay, I'm eating more, I'm consciously going to decide to fidget and blink and pace a ton. It's mostly like subconscious things that we can't control that much. Whereas most people, like even if it's like, okay, you're going to train more now that you're eating more and we're going to ramp up your step goal a bit now that you're eating more, most people have a relatively small amount of like, we can only increase that up so much within the constraints of your day-to-day -day life, right? So again, reverse dieting is very much a misunderstood process. And really for some online clients, this process only takes a few weeks, but for others, we can ramp maintenance calories up for quite some time. So 
Finally, you need to know when to stop reverse dieting. And really there are two things we look for here. One, we're looking for trunk measurements and weight to stay relatively stable. Now also here realize that fluctuations of plus or minus a quarter inch are super normal, but larger increases here, or I should say larger increases for multiple weeks. So let's say like you bump up a half inch and we don't see that drop back off the next week. Maybe you gain another quarter inch or maybe you gain another half inch. Those likely in indicate that you've passed your maintenance intake. That said, realize that most online clients will also be capable of building some lean muscle at maintenance. And this is especially true for newer online clients that have never spent an extended period of time eating more and following a smart training program like my online clients do. So sometimes we'll see an increase in weight across the course of weeks. And this is why it's important that we're also tracking body measurements. See, most online clients will have a quote unquote trouble spot. And this is typically a spot that they really wanted to focus on losing fat from during the diet. This seems to be the last place that said client loses fat from their body. And it's likely that the point or like one of the main deciders to end this client's, this hypothetical client that we're talking about's diet was the fact that they finally dropped the fat that they wanted from their quote unquote trouble spot. And after that, they were content with their current level of leanness and ready to focus on maintenance. So for most dudes, I can say right away, it's the lower stomach. Like, okay, no matter what, my bottom abs never show. Okay, and so we know like that's your trouble spot. You typically likely are going to add fat there first and it's the last place you're gonna lose fat on a diet. So, okay, dope. You can finally see those lower two abs. Man, you and like you're feeling good. Okay, perfect. Let's transition you to a reverse diet. Now, again, conveniently, the last place we seem to lose fat from also seems to be the first place we regain it. And this means that in a case where your client is gaining a bit of weight, but you think it could be muscle, not fat, it makes sense to look at measurement increases at the client's trouble spot, as that's a sign that they're potentially gaining fat. Now, again, for 90% of clients, it will be navel measurements. Um, for some women, it will be the hips or occasionally even the thighs. If we start to see consecutive weeks of measurements increasing at the trouble spot, it's a good sign that body fat is being gained. And then the second thing we're looking for when we're looking to like, hey, should we stop this reverse diet or not, is normalized biofeedback. See, we all have a certain body fat percentage floor. And below this body fat percentage floor, clients will struggle with hunger, being food focused, low energy, shitty hormones, and really building lean muscle is very unlikely below this floor. Many of your hormones are a product of the amount of body fat you're carrying. And no matter how much food you're eating, you'll still feel shitty below this certain body fat percentage. Now, well, you can dip below this floor for short periods of time. So for example, my clients I was just talking about who were prepping for a photo shoot, living this lean is not healthy or sustainable. So the reality is occasionally clients will have to add back a bit of body fat in order to return biofeedback to healthy levels and quit feeling like a zombie. Again, like talking about my two dudes that just got ready for a photo shoot. Both those guys, because they have goals of building muscle right after this, they're absolutely going to have to add some fat back to do that. Right now, they're super lean, but it's not sustainable. Their biofeedback is shitty. They're absolutely not in a good place to fuel muscle growth. So if a client's feedback or biofeedback, aka weekly measurements, my clients submit for things like sleep, stress, motivation, mood, training, performance, etc., is still poor, then they likely need to continue the reverse diet. Similarly, normalized biofeedback is a good sign you can end the reverse diet process. 
Now, on a side note, if your client's body fat floor is higher than they want it to be, meaning they can't stay as lean as they want without feeling awful, that is a good sign that they need to go through an extended building phase and then enter another fat loss phase, which we will talk about in just a bit. And then the final phase that you have to, or that you should have a solid understanding of when it comes to nutrition periodization for fat loss, not the final phase that we're going to discuss, but the final phase for fat loss is the maintenance phase. So again, maintenance phases are the final phase of fat loss specific periodization we'll be discussing. And this is another phase often overlooked by coaches and dieters alike. So We implement phases with online clients either one, after the reverse diet, or two, in place of a diet break for clients with larger weight loss goals slash longer diet timelines. So for clients who've completed the reverse diet process, your body really doesn't like change and it wants to return to its old normal as quickly as possible. So the maintenance phase is a must to allow you to cement a new normal for your body. This is also a very important time for you to create new habits. Again, the lifestyle that you lived before got you the body composition you had before. So periods of practicing maintenance allow you to learn new habits and behaviors around your food choices, training, daily movement, dietary flexibility, and what your entire lifestyle really will need to look like to maintain this new body. Now, for clients with large weight loss goals that are still a work in progress, a maintenance phase can actually serve as a substitute or basically a longer version of a diet break. See, for online clients that are looking to lose 50 plus pounds, you'll often need a longer break from the grind of dieting. So this allows time to let your body normalize and practice maintaining your weight loss. The maintenance phase is a key part of what we do in our work together to make sure that you can sustain this new, leaner version of yourself long term. So we have a few desired outcomes from a maintenance phase. Number one is recovery from the fat loss phase. So some key changes happen during the maintenance phase that make your results more sustainable and will make your future progress easier if you're playing in another fat loss phase. So one, hormones like thyroid, leptin, and testosterone increase. Two, your energy levels and the energy you burn through non-exercise activity thermogenesis increase. Three, hunger decreases. And four, the chronic stress on your system dissipates. So basically, your system normalizes and your body gets used to this new weight. Everything starts to feel normal again over time, and your body stops fighting you so hard to regain the weight you lost. Again, your body really doesn't like change. It wants to return to its old normal relatively quickly. So the maintenance phase is a must to allow you to cement a new normal for your body. And also, it just gives you time to practice maintenance. Like we talked about earlier, fat loss phases are very exciting and motivating because you can see your body changing rapidly. And many of us are okay with being hungry because we know we're almost the fat loss result we want. However, the mindset of maintaining that result is so much different, which is why so many people regain the weight after a diet. Once the goal is achieved, people are sick of being hungry and deprived, which is another big problem in the diet culture and really exactly why I focus on giving my online clients diet flexibility. So in this situation, people have a tendency to just go back to how they were eating before the diet and the weight comes back. So periods of practicing maintenance allow you to learn new habits and behaviors around your food choices, training, daily movement, dietary flexibility, and what your entire lifestyle will need to look like to maintain this new body. 
And then finally, the last desired outcome is reassessing your goals. Here, we take some time to evaluate exactly where you're at and mapping out our next course of action. So for clients that want to get leaner still, this means our next step after the maintenance phase is another fat loss phase. For those that are ready to maintain, it means extended time hanging out and just practicing maintenance. And for those that are really ready to build lean muscle, it means preparing for a building phase. So we have a couple different common time frames for a maintenance phase, because really a maintenance phase can be anywhere from two weeks to three months. Again, it's highly individual to where you are at as a client. So the shortest time frame being two weeks most often comes in the form of a diet break. So after reassessing, we've determined that you as an online client want to get leaner, which requires another fat loss phase. This is also dependent on your biofeedback and psychological state. But if all these are in a good place after two weeks in a maintenance phase, we'll transition back into a fat loss phase. A more moderate time frame would be something like two weeks to a month, which often comes around the holidays or during periods of travel for online clients. Now, during times like these, it's often unrealistic and an unnecessary source of stress to expect clients to also push for fat loss. Now, many of my clients spend Thanksgiving through New Year's practicing maintenance and are thrilled when they realize that for the first time ever, they didn't gain weight over the holidays thanks to their new knowledge from coaching. Now, the beauty of this is, times like these are also the ones where people used to see their drastically regress and would often even cave to things like stress eating and poor nutrition habits during traveling. So here, we double down on educating you how to maintain this new lean body during periods of high stress, travel, or the holidays, which are basically both combined. So the goal of coaching with me is always to help you achieve results that are sustainable long-term. So learning to maintain instead of regress at times like these is essential. And finally, the longer time frame, so it would be one to three months, are most common for clients that have achieved their goal level of leanness. Like we talked about earlier, this requires a whole new mindset and making sure that the right habits are in place. So the more you struggle with yo-yo dieting in the past, the longer we'll spend here cementing these changes as your body's new normal. All right, so before we wrap up this discussion of fat loss, um, nutrition periodization for fat loss, I should say, let's get into a real world application of all the fat loss phases we just discussed. So let's say you start online coaching with us and your initial goal is to go from 26% body fat to 16% body fat. You've been there before, but always struggle to stay as lean as you want. Your body fat inevitably rebounds shortly after reaching your goal body composition, and this absolutely saps your confidence. So after a thorough strategy call, we determine that reaching your body composition goal will require losing about 20 pounds of fat, which means you would go from 150 pounds to 130 pounds, let's say. So we'll start you off in a primer phase. Again, this phase is all about building good habits around food choices, daily movement, building a diet structure specific to you, and recovering from your previous diet. Now, you've already tracked macros consistently and have a good understanding of how to do so accurately. You haven't dieted in quite a while, and you have solid habits around training and daily movement. Our main focus is teaching you more about selecting filling foods with each meal to control hunger on the diet. So all this means that you're coming to us in a pretty good place and your primary phase can be relatively short. Let's say this lasts two weeks. And at this point, 
We determine that you're ready for a fat loss phase, so we go ahead and transition you into one. And this is where your body really starts changing rapidly. We know that some quote unquote lifestyle flexibility is important to you, but you're also willing to plan ahead and want to see your body change at a good clip. So we established that about 0.75% of body weight per week will be your target rate of loss. So basically you're aiming to lose about one pound per week. We set you up with a 6-1 macro split to allow for a bit more flexibility within your diet while still pushing for relatively fast results. After 10 weeks, you're right on track with 10 pounds lost. But biofeedback has been rapidly declining the last few weeks and motivation plus your mood have tanked. Cravings and hunger are through the roof. So we determine it's time to implement a diet break. So the next two weeks, your calories are set at your new estimated maintenance. And by the time the diet break is over, you feel physically and mentally rejuvenated. So we push you into another fat loss phase. Same macro split and rate of loss targets as before. Now, over the next seven weeks, you lose five more pounds and are only five pounds away from your goal. That said, you have a week-long vacation coming up about a week from now, and we don't want you to feel like you can't enjoy yourself a bit more on the trip. So we start diet break number two. Now, typically starting a diet break or maintenance phase the same day, someone has a special event or vacation is a recipe for disaster. So in this case, we'll start the diet break about seven days in advance. This allows hunger and cravings to dissipate in a much more controlled food environment than if you started it like the day you start vacation. So you wrap up the second week of the diet break on vacation and return just in time to start fat loss phase number three. Now here we decide that it's best to push for a faster rate of loss and get you back to long-term maintenance sooner. So over the next three weeks, you lose those last five pounds, which at this point we start the reverse dieting process. After the initial jump to 90% of your estimated maintenance, we spend the next six weeks adjusting macros and watching body measurements and biofeedback. By the end of six weeks, we've established the upper end of what you need to eat to maintain your current body composition. And finally, you transition to a maintenance phase. As maintaining a lean physique has always been your biggest struggle, being coached through this phase is especially important. You spend the next eight weeks practicing maintenance and ensuring that you have all the necessary habits and lifestyle factors in place to maintain results long-term. And then typically after that, if you're crushing maintenance, um, you pretty much just wanna hang out here. That is the point where an online client would typically leave coaching. And that in a nutshell is the fat loss phases of nutrition periodization. All right, so part two of this podcast is nutrition periodization for building muscle. Because nutrition periodization isn't just about losing fat and dieting. In fact, more of your time should be spent in the phases that don't put you in a calorie deficit than those that do across the course of a year. So while fat loss phases are especially appealing to most, realize that time focusing on eating more and building lean muscle is key to achieving a functionally strong and aesthetic body composition. You can't spend all your time dieting and expect to achieve a body that looks lean, strong, and feels great. So the first phase of nutrition periodization for building lean muscle is a building phase. And really, if you've never done one of these, if you've never done a building phase, you're leaving results on the table. A building phase is a phase dedicated to eating more calories than you're burning and building lean muscle. Really, it's what 99% of you who can't achieve the lean, strong body composition you're chasing are missing. For women and men alike, 
Spending six to 12 months focusing on fueling your training will make a big difference for your body composition. So for example, let's say you just got super lean for the first time ever with the help of online coaching and have 20 pounds of fat left on your body. The problem is you still don't look as lean or strong as you want, but your hormones and energy levels are zapped. You can't realistically lose any more body fat and expect to sustain that level of leanness. Like we talked about earlier, you're below your body fat floor. We know that at this point, your physiology is strongly pushing back against you getting any leaner. So we decided that it's time for you to start your first building phase. You go through eight months of building, followed by eight weeks of fat loss, and end up back near where you started with 20 pounds of fat left on your body. But now, thanks to the building phase, you have an additional eight pounds of lean muscle on your frame. So even though a fat mass is the same as before, your body fat percentage is lower and your body composition is much different. And this is exactly why I'm always convincing online clients to commit to building phases. And I say convincing because the thought of seeing the scale increase is scary for most, which I get 100%, but a building phase is completely necessary for anyone chasing their all-time best body composition. Like we just discussed, like that person who like 20 pounds of fat mass on their frame in either scenario, but like that person with the additional eight pounds of lean mass on their frame that 20 pounds of fat is going to look a lot less. They're going to look a lot more strong and aesthetically pleasing. So again, the reality is this process does take time, but it's completely necessary to push yourself and your body composition to the limits of what you're capable of. So the question is, who should do a building phase? Now, the reality is most everyone will need to do a building phase at some point in order to achieve the body composition they want to maintain long term. That said, most online clients start coaching capable of achieving what we call body recomposition. As I mentioned before, this is just the process of losing fat and building muscle simultaneously, meaning that you're already training, you're already attempting to improve your nutrition, etc. But coaching is the first time you have the entire ecosystem of results. So you have a smart goal specific training program. You have extreme consistency with an individualized nutrition plan. We are managing your your stress and sleep. We're periodizing your nutrition and your training, and we're accounting for your biofeedback. And really, for most people, this is the first time, again, you ha- you've had all of this dialed in at once. And that's the crux of why body recomposition is possible for most of you during your first three to six months of coaching or coaching yourself properly. Because unless you've already had all these factors dialed in for a long time, which is very rare, you're leaving fat loss and muscle gain results on the table. So normally when you start coaching, we'll push you in the direction of body recomposition with a focus on either fat loss or muscle gain, whichever is more necessary for your goal physique. But you can only recomp for so long, again, typically three to six months, before a directed focus on either A, fat loss and building a bit of muscle in the process, or B, eating more and building muscle and losing any fat added later becomes a must to continue to see tangible progress. So anyways, you should do a building phase if any of these apply to you. One, your goals are exclusively building lean muscle or improving performance. Two, you just feel skinny when you lose fat. You don't have that lean, strong body composition you want. Three, you feel terrible at your desired level of leanness. Adding muscle equals a leaner body, even if you don't technically have less fat on your frame, like we talked about before. 
Now, as the production of many hormones is related to the actual amount of fat you have on your body, we'll all inevitably feel terrible when we drop below our body fat floor. Thus, often the only way to maintain a leaner body without feeling shitty is to add more lean muscle to your frame. For women and men alike that I've coached, committing to the building process is a game changer in this scenario. And finally, um, number four, if you want an improved physique next time you get lean. And really, the only scenario where it doesn't make sense to implement a building phase at some point is if you're 100% happy with your physique. If that's the case, you can really just hang out at maintenance. So as far as the rate of gain goes for a building phase, building muscle is a very slow process and you just don't need to eat that many calories over your maintenance intake to build muscle. We also know that you can build muscle without eating a calorie surplus, aka eating more calories than you're burning, but eating a bit above your maintenance intake creates an environment that's more optimal for building lean muscle. So unlike most body recomposition scenarios, here we're actively pushing you to slowly gain weight. We know that you're not in a calorie deficit and therefore not losing fat. So if you're not gaining weight through the building phase, you're simply not building muscle. Again, seeing the scale increase is a scary thing for most people at first, but this is 100% necessary to continue to improve your body composition as a more intermediate to advanced trainee. Let's say that last time you got super lean, you were 10% body fat at 170 pounds. If the next time you get near 10% body fat, you again weigh 170 pounds, we know that you didn't add much, if any, muscle since last time you got this lean. So therefore, your body composition is going to look about the same as it did last time. But if next time you're near 10% body fat, you weigh 180 pounds, we know you have more muscle and therefore a much better body composition. So getting heavier at any given body fat percentage over time is a must to actually continue to progress your physique over time. Even when you're super lean, being heavier than you were last time here is good. Gaining weight and getting heavier is a necessary part of the process. So in the building phase, we really push you to gain about 0.25 to 0.5% of body weight per week. Now, when it comes to making adjustments in the building phase, you undoubtedly know at least one person who seems to eat whatever they want without gaining weight. Maybe you are that person. In reality, people like this either A, haven't accurately tracked their calorie intake before, so they likely eat a lot at times and then subconsciously adapt by going long periods of time without eating. And really, this is extremely common with new online clients that claim they can't build muscle or add weight. Or B, have an extremely adaptive metabolism like we talked about before. They really tend to ramp calories up in response to overfeeding. So if you're not seeing increases in weight, body measurements outside of the belly measurements or strength in the gym after two weeks, it's time to increase calories. So here, increase your total calorie intake by approximately 5% via carbs and continue this weekly until you're gaining in the recommended range. If you're surpassing the recommended rate of gain for two plus weeks, you're likely adding unwanted excess fat. So here, you should decrease calories by approximately 5%, again, pulling from carbs. Repeat this weekly until your rate of gain falls back in the recommended range. Now, as far as duration of a building phase, you can really stay in a building phase for quite some time. I recommend at least four to six months here as gaining lean muscle does take some quote unquote momentum. If you're constantly interrupting your building phases with a calorie deficit, you won't get much muscle growth out of it. If it's your first building phase, you'll very likely feel good after six plus months of building. Fat loss will also come easier in the future and you'll look leaner at a higher body fat percentage thanks to all the lean muscle you've built. Now that said, 
You can really stay in a building phase as long as you want, so long as you keep your body fat within the recommended ranges that we're going to talk about in just a bit to avoid excess fat gain. Now, when you do find yourself feeling a bit too fluffy in a building phase, we implement what we call a mini cut, which is the final phase of nutrition periodization we're going to talk about in this podcast. So a mini cut is a short, aggressive diet phase. The goal here is to lose as much fat as possible across three to six weeks without losing muscle mass. Mini cuts are a tool that I use often within online coaching for clients in a building phase. Now, counter to what you would think, the primary goal of a mini cut isn't fat loss. It's actually to allow you to build lean muscle longer and more productively. So what the diet break is to the fat loss phase, the mini cut is to the building phase. We use mini cuts to keep your body partitioning nutrients most optimally, basically meaning more calories are being partitioned towards building muscle and less towards fat storage. So basically, mini cuts allow you to spend more time in a productive building phase. And this is due to something that we call your P-ratio. So your P-ratio or partitioning ratio, which is what that P stands for, is the ratio of muscle to fat gained when your body weight increases. Now, within a certain body fat percentage range, your body will be shuttling more of the calories you take in towards building muscle and less towards fat storage. But on the flip side, outside of these ideal body fat percentage ranges, your body will be gaining exponentially more fat than muscle with every pound that you gain. Now, I found that like everything within online coaching, there is a lot of individual variability here. But in general, the most optimal ranges for like the best P ratio for men will be about 10 to 15% body fat. For women will be about 18 to 30% body fat. Too far below or above these marks and a much greater percentage of the overall weight you gain will be fat. So aside from the fact that most of us don't want to feel overly fluffy during a building phase, excessive body fat will actually make the process of achieving your best body composition less efficient. So mini cuts are a tool that we intersperse into building phases to allow you as an online client to maintain an optimal P ratio. So again, to gain muscle at the fastest rate possible without killing the overall momentum of the building phase. So when we're talking about rate of loss here, one of the most important things to consider in a mini cut is really how fast you're losing weight. Again, we're pushing you to lose as quickly as possible, but if you're losing so quickly that you're losing muscle mass, it is counterproductive to the goal of a mini cut, which is again allowing you to build more muscle. But how quickly you can lose here really depends on how lean you are currently. The leaner you are, the smaller the percentage of body weight loss per week needs to be. When you're already leaner, you're at a higher risk of muscle loss as your body has less stored energy, aka fat, available to burn, making muscle a more likely candidate than it would be for an individual with more body fat. So here I really like Revive Stronger's recommendations of men at about 10% body fat or women at about 18% body fat should aim to lose about 0.5% of body weight per week during a mini cut. Men at about 15% body fat and women at about 25% body fat should aim to lose about 1% of body weight during a a mini cut. And then men at 20% plus body fat and women at 30% plus body fat should aim to lose 1.5% of body weight per week during a mini cut. Now, and then you can kind of figure out where you are if you're somewhere between those ranges and kind of figure out like, okay, I'm... Um, I'm probably at 12 and a half percent. I know that like a man at 
um, 10% should aim to lose 0.5. A man at 15% should aim to lose 1%. So I'm going to aim for 0.75% of body weight per week. All right. So as far as duration of a mini cut goes, the time frame of a mini cut is very important. It should not be longer than six weeks because past this point, you'll be at a much higher risk of muscle loss, which again is very counterproductive to the overall goal of a mini cut. It also shouldn't be shorter than three weeks. It's nearly impossible to tell how your body is changing in the first two weeks of the diet. And that's exactly why it's incredibly rare that I adjust an online client's nutrition plan in the first two weeks. We just need more time to see how your body really responds to your current macro intake and for the deficit to compound. So short timeframes don't make much sense here. And really, if you can achieve the amount of fat loss you want in less than three weeks, you probably don't actually need to implement a mini cut yet. And you're better served to just keep focusing on eating more and building. All right, so finally, let's tie all of this, this long conversation of nutrition periodization together. So over the course of this episode, you've learned about all the different phases of nutrition periodization we implement with you as an online client. Now, again, let's tie this all together into one cohesive picture by walking you through an entire year of the most typical online client journey. So let's say you are starting January 1st. Weeks one and two, we're taking you through a primer phase at maintenance calories. Here, we're focusing on helping you build good habits around food choices, daily movement, tracking macros accurately, and recovering from your last diet. Weeks three through nine, we're pushing for fat loss and a calorie deficit. Here, we're again just pushing your body to lose fat by creating an energy deficit. Most can lose about 0.5 to 1% of body weight per week. Weeks 10 and 11, you are in a diet break, again at maintenance calories. Here, as you recall, we're just giving your body and mind a break from the chronic stress of dieting. Weeks 12 through 22, we're gonna enter a fat loss phase. Again, this is your second fat loss phase. Now that you're physically and mentally ready for the stress of dieting again, this is gonna be that last push to reach your desired leanness. Now, from there, we're going to enter a reverse diet. Let's say that this takes three weeks, so weeks 23 through 26. Really, we're just cementing this as your body's new normal, so your hormones normalize, your metabolism increases, hunger decreases. This gives us time to practice maintenance and find the upper limit of your um, metabolism. Really, this is key to sustaining your results long-term. This also, in this scenario, coincides with summer or often will coincide with holidays, which really helps improving adherence. From there, weeks 27 through 42, we're pushing you into a building phase where you're in a slight calorie surplus. Here, we're focusing on fueling your body with more calories and focusing on building lean muscle with minimal fat gain. Time here is key to building a lean, strong, aesthetic body. Weeks 43 through 47, let's say, and again, we're getting deep into the year, Let's say you have a beach vacation coming up. Let's say you live in the Midwest and, hey, I'm going to go to Mexico in what this would put us in like early November. Okay, perfect. We're going to take you through a mini cut, which is a quick, aggressive fat loss phase to get you leaner for that beach vacation. And really, this shouldn't take too long after a well-done building phase. And then finally, weeks 48 through 52, you're entering a maintenance phase. Again, you're at maintenance calories. Here you're enjoying more dietary flexibility over the holidays and quote-unquote practicing maintenance to learn how to maintain during these busier times. And really, we could also plug a building phase in here just as effectively depending on your goals. Hey, do you want to push muscle growth right now? 
um, and take advantage of these increased calories, or do you strictly just want to focus on maintaining? So really this journey from primer to fat loss, to diet break, to fat loss, to reverse diet, to maintenance, to building, to mini cut, to maintenance is extremely common over the first year of online coaching. If we were to extend this longer, it would probably be another three to four months in a building phase, followed by a fat loss phase to uncover a leaner, stronger body composition for the client. The key things to take away from this episode. One, over the course of a year, you should spend more time in building and or maintenance phases than in fat loss phases. Fat loss happens very quickly and doesn't require nearly as much time to achieve the results you want relative to a building phase. Fat loss phases are by far the most taxing on you physically, hormonally, and mentally. Stay in a fat loss phase for too long and adherence slips, your body and mindset feel terrible, you'll struggle, and you're stuck spinning your wheels. So generally, it's a good idea to spend at least twice as much time at maintenance or in building phases than you spend in fat loss phases over the course of a year. Now, of course, there are exceptions to this. So again, clients that have a large amount of weight loss to lose or have time-sensitive fat loss goals, but it's still important to implement diet breaks plus potentially maintenance phases during the diet and reverse dieting plus implementing maintenance phases after the diet. Number two, to create a functionally strong and aesthetic body, spending time in both the fat loss and building phases is important. I can't emphasize enough how important this is as most people only focus on the fat loss phases and wonder why they always feel awful and struggle to achieve the body compositions they want. Your body composition improves in the building phases. You uncover the changes you made in the fat loss phases. Now, if after hearing this, you're ready to take the guesswork out of achieving your best body composition ever, click the link in the show notes to apply for online coaching with us. You'll get fully customized training and nutrition protocols fit to your specific goals and periodized for your lifestyle along with expert guidance through every single step of this process. All right, guys, and that is all I have for you today. Thank you for tuning in.